Welcome to episode 53, the truth about earnings disparity in professional soccer. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as the earnings disparity in soccer, the Premier League, immigration, lack of principles in politics, or the concept of wisdom comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. If you are listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please take a minute and scroll down on the podcast page and give it a five-star rating. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. See the show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com. The easiest way to stay up to date on the podcast is to subscribe to it on iTunes or Google Play Music. It's also available on Podbean, Spotify, and Stitcher. And finally, the video version of the podcast are now available on YouTube and on bitshoot.com. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. In episode 41, I covered the truth about the gender pay gap and refuted the often cited statistic that women earn 77 cents on the dollar that men earn for the same work. Suffice it to say, I thought I was done with this topic, but throughout the last month during the Women's World Cup soccer tournament, we have been inundated with news commentary, articles, and social justice sermons disguised as ESPN Sports Center episodes on the earnings disparity in professional soccer. So now I'm forced to jump back into the fray and expose another opportunistic faux outrage. I mean, really, folks, this is such a stupid topic, but it's perfect for the TruthQuest podcast because it combines two of my favorite things, economics and truth-seeking. It requires more than headline reading and social media scrolling to understand an issue like this. It seems so ridiculous and obvious, but I've gathered some facts and figures for you to share with your whiny leftist friends and Democratic presidential nominees, if you so choose. So fresh off the U.S. women's national team's second consecutive World Cup tournament victory, Megan Rapinoe, the team's left wing, has become the latest cause celeb for the left wing because, number one, she hates Trump. Number two, she bravely performed a Colin Kaepernick light national anthem protest. And number three, she's a lesbian. So she's making the rounds on all the usual friendly mainstream media networks and granting interviews and making podcast appearances on friendly outlets. She proclaims how she would love to meet with AOC and Pelosi, but doesn't want anything to do with the Trump administration because in her mind, people like them are the reason women's soccer players earn less than their male counterparts. Following her logic, women's soccer players earn less because of institutionalized discrimination. If you think I'm exaggerating or being inflammatory, go read the lawsuit filed by the U.S. Women's National Team against U.S. Soccer. It's right there in black and white. Of course, the answer to the earnings disparity has nothing to do with discrimination and everything to do with the free market and a very simple economic principle known as supply and demand. But don't take my word for it. Megan Rapinoe herself subscribes to this theory, unknowingly, of course. When asked what people could do to help the earnings disparity situation, she said they could buy tickets, attend games, become season ticket holders, buy players' jerseys, and spread the word about the league. That is sound, fact-based, and economically literate, market-driven advice. Bravo, Megan. To expand on Rapinoe's point, supply and demand tells the story. Less people watch women's soccer, therefore less money is available to pay the players. That's it. Case closed. That's the end of the episode. Okay, the case is closed, but let me present you with some evidence to support my case. Average attendance at one of the most successful U.S. women's teams, the Portland Thorns, 
is around 17,000, with the rest of the league averaging around 5,000. The average attendance at the Thorns' brother club, the Portland Timbers, which is in the MLS, is about 21,000, which is right around the average for that league as a whole. Alright, so what about over in Europe? Soccer is king over there. Well, according to worldfootball.net, in France, the two most popular teams by attendance are Olympic Lyon, with average attendance of 3,200, and PSG, which averages 1,600. The other 10 teams in the French First Division average around 900 fans per game. Compare those numbers to the same men's teams. Olympic Lyon averages 40,000, PSG 45,000. That entire league averages around 21,000. In England, the women's league is called the Women's Super League. Attendance is up 48% this year. Great news, right? Well, average league attendance is now at 1,076. The highest average attendance is Manchester City with 1,500. On the men's side of the English Premier League, the lowest average attendance, the lowest, is 10,000. The next lowest is 20,000. The middle of the pack, Leicester City, averages around 31,000, with the top five averaging 54,000, 54,000, 58,000, 60,000, and 74,000. See what I mean by case closed? With the tremendous attendance disparity, I spared myself the time of researching the average salaries of men and women professional soccer players. We already know the results. Women will make less. Dramatically less. With the lack of fan interest in the women's game and the lack of any TV deals, the revenue generated by the women's game is not even in the, pardon the pun, the same ballpark as the men's game. By the way, if you research the WNBA versus the NBA, you'll find a similar set of findings. So what do these earnings disparity crusaders want? Well, apparently they want socialism. You know, spread the wealth around. I can only imagine this means taking from men and giving to the women. That seems immoral, illegal, and counterproductive. Or maybe they are just taking advantage of the 15 minutes of fame afforded by the Women's World Cup in order to further a political agenda. I mean, can CNN, MSNBC, Huffington Post, New York Times, the Young Turks, and Paul Krugman afford to let this so-called earnings disparity crisis go to waste? What about Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and the rest of these folks? They can't afford to waste an opportunity to sow the seeds of inequality and swell the horde of Democrats' coalition of perceived, aggrieved voting blocks. As crazy as these candidates are, they need all the help they can get. The real question is, will the left ever run out of useful idiots willing to step into the spotlight and be the mainstream media darling for a week or two in order to further their agenda? before being abruptly abandoned and forgotten in order to make room for the next one. I mean, think about it. They've been doing this for decades. Think about Rachel Carson, Anita Hill, Michael Mann, former Charlotte Mayor Jennifer Roberts, Sandra Fluke, David Hogg, Billy Bush, Michael Avenatti, Stormy Daniels, Christine Blasey Ford, and today it's Megan Rapino. Even prominent national Republicans get played for the useful idiot by Democrats. Think Romney, McCain, former Senator Flake, or John Kasich. Sometimes prominent so-called conservative writers and commentators serve the same purpose. Think Megyn Kelly and Bill Kristol. Don't worry, tomorrow they'll be on to someone new. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.